was the cast before Christmas, deep in Area 51. All the usual suspects were scurrying. So much work to be done. Kriana wasn't angry. She's enjoying her perks. Till Skype just is updated. Now nothing effing works. Zombrarian was pensive in her dank reading room, fixing dangling participles written by Von Doom. Dead Redhead settled down for her long winter's nap, but without X beside her, she had no one to slap. Our guest chair Mike Doherty was last minute called, so he juggled his schedule, his ass he did all. The lovely Miriam Paltrow was the guest for the show. She'd been on before and still forgotten to say no. It was another great year, an enjoyable run, with interesting guests and tons of great fun. So I sit at my keyboard with wishes for you. I can't say Merry Christmas cause the dome is a Jew, but deep in Area 51, I am the dome. This is TalkCast 163, our pre-holiday show. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. Can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. This talk has 164 tonight. We're talking myth and mythos with guest Miriam Poltro. Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, there we go. Everybody got it. I feel like Doctor Who. Just this once, everybody lives. (laughs) (laughs) And joining us tonight are the usual suspects from the Revere Time Vortex. Kriana. Everybody lives. (laughs) (laughs) From her personal silent zone in the Dank Dungeon Reading Room, Zombrarian. The Dank Dungeon Reading Room is warm and cozy tonight because there are cookies baking. Ah, in the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the dead redhead. Good evening, everyone. And I'm from high dank, above... Do you, do you need a lozenge? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they don't sound like this! Yeah, exactly. True. Good point. In, in the guest seat tonight from the upcoming movie Z-Con, Mike Doherty. That was it, huh? Hello? Okay. <laughs> what? Abs. <laughs> back to comedy gold for you, Dome. I've got an hour. Okay. <laughs> Fair and enough. As, and as we mentioned earlier, the producer, director, writer, actress nominated for uh, Best Drama in the Indie Soap Awards for her work in her project, Mythos, Miriam Poltro. Hi, it's me. Was, was, I just, was that... I, I, <laughs> I, we weren't nominated for best drama. I do want to clear that up. I don't want anybody listening. Oh, to you me. weren't. 
No, 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 no. The show was not nominated for Best Drama. I was nominated, which is even more shocking to me. I was nominated (laughs) for Best Actor. Not not shocking to those of us who who have seen your work. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And we will make you blush considerably more as the evening goes on. Not a problem. Won't be able to see it. (laughs) Oh, you think it can't be seen. Trust me on this. (laughs) And Creepy Jar. Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. First into the creepy jar, it's me for a buck. Okay, good. It really was not that creepy. I like her. He'll get there, don't worry. You really, you really have to push it to be like... He'll get there, he, don't worry. Don't encourage him. Hey, 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 we've hey. done such good work with the jar. <laughs> yeah, we've made millions for charity is what we've done. We get lunch at every single con on the proceeds of the jar alone. In any case. Seeing as this is the last show of 2012, I thought we'd take a minute and reflect. And also talk about the top movies of 2012. I forgot my mirror. Yes, exactly. Also, what's Dead Redhead gonna do? What do you mean? Oh, wait, you're not a vampire. What was I thinking? (laughs) I have no idea. She's dead. She's not a vampire. I'm undead. Like Bella Lugosi. No, then you wouldn't need But he was a vampire! (laughs) I'm so confused! Wait, didn't we have someone who was a vampire, though? How did we escape a vampire? I think Drew was supposed to be a vampire. What's Drew gonna do? There you go. There's your answer. Thank you. It only took me a minute. So, uh, you know, we talk about uh, the top movies of, of 2012. There were some incredibly good ones. But I'm I'm kind of surprised at what I'm seeing popping up on this list. <laughs> wow, am I surprised. <laughs> so, uh, let's start with somebody who uh, actually yelled at me about the movie and now has it picked it as the top movie of 2012 for her, Zombrarian. I did not yell at you about the movie. You said the movie was made for people who hated the book. No, what? I did not say that. Let's say what the movie is. How about that? The movie is The Hunger Games. Yeah. And I never said that the movie was made for people who hated the book. Someone else told you that and lied to you. <laughs> what, 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 what made that work for you? What's, what made it, it didn't suck. Which is a vast improvement over what I thought it was going to be. I really truly thought that I was going to go in there and come out of it like I came out of the Golden Compass saying, well, that was a terrible bastardization of a beautiful story, but at least they made it look pretty. No, it wasn't too bad. You mean like how I came out of Return of the King? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly like that. So I put it as my top movie because it was the most surprising to me. Because I honestly thought it was going to be awful, and it was not. It was quite pretty. It was. It was pretty. It's the only nice thing I have to say about it. It was reasonably true to the story. I mean, it lost a lot of nuance. That's why that's the only nice thing I have to say about it. (laughs) It lost a lot of nuance, but it was pretty good. I thought it had an interesting cast, I'll grant you that. Jennifer Lawrence is flawless, and I am not in love with her because I'm in love with Kriana, but (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence, call me. (laughs) Awesome. That could be kind of hot, actually. I'm okay with it. (laughs) Dead redhead, where are are you going to go? 
Where am I going to go? Yeah, what movie? Movies. Well, the ones I had, um, I also actually liked The Hobbit. We we got to see it over the weekend. We liked it. Uh, X was with me, and as soon as we got home, he literally pulled out The Hobbit, Cimmerillion, all the whole Ring trilogy, and he was just trying to show me, oh, this is where this scene came from. Oh, this is where that scene came from. They mixed them all, and I was like... That was the point. We knew they were going to do that. Why was that a surprise? You know, like the movie. But anyway, um, for the year, (laughs) the couple things I did want to get out there, number one was Safety Not... um, I keep calling it wrong, but Safety Not Guaranteed, which was this little indie film that was very quiet, and I think the only people who really talked about it was NPR and that's where I heard about it Um, but it's this whole time travel kind of love story thing about this guy who might not be crazy or may be completely sane and has figured out how to time travel and this magazine, this group from this magazine goes to this little tiny town in Oregon I think it was to go check the whole thing out and it was sweet, and it was very subtle, and it was, and the ending, you had no idea. Up until the very end, you had no idea what exactly what was going to happen, which was really nice. And it was just a very sweet movie. Um, the The big ones were the Avengers. I think, I, I don't think I've talked to anybody except the Joss Whedon haters, which we've had a couple on the show. But unless you're a Joss Whedon hater, you love the Avengers. It was well-directed. It was well-acted. It was fun. It was action-packed. It was it was a great spending of your 8, 10, 12 bucks. All right. I'm sorry, Dead Redhead. I need to interrupt you for a second here and tell a certain editor to go and watch The Notebook and cry into his puffs. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew. That's good. You that's, know who you are. <laughs> yes, that's he, right, Andrew. You should, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> but no, the um, the Avengers was really, really fun, and um, to me, it showed the difference between somebody who could take the material and do well with it. Because we've had this discussion, I don't know how many times this year. I could not stand Thor. I had a real problem with the Thor movie. Ripply and muscles. Of, and it was it was mostly the direction and the acting. And sorry, Sir Kenneth Branagh, but Joss Whedon took the same characters. The writing was 900 times better. And he got better um, he, he got the actors to do... They, they acted like superheroes. They acted like he should have. Yeah. So, you know, props to, to everybody that worked on the Avengers for that. And the only other one I had is a, was not something that came out this year. In fact, it came out in 1933. But wait a minute, going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. No, okay. Rule breaking. <laughs> <laughs> now, we finally, for the first time, we've been going through the Fritz Lang movies, which if you're a sci-fi fan and you haven't, you really should. Because for how old they are, they're ridiculously amazing. Um, but we saw The Testament of Dr. Mabuse and Netflix it. That's how we saw it. We got it on Netflix. And for its time, it, it, it's the, this unbelievable science fiction movie for its time. So those were what I came up with. Okay, evidently Mike is having a little bit of a mic problem. Ah, 
There's a redundancy factor there. So, uh, Kriana. Yeah, well, I picked The Hobbit, and I haven't seen it yet, but I don't care. All you motherfuckers can just shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is a glorious fucking movie, and you should all bow down to it. So there. Uh, I, and I mean the 2D version and not the high FPS version, whatever. Screw that. Why? Yeah. Actually, I had somebody uh, I don't talk care. to me today who saw the high frames per second version in 3D, which is, I guess, the only way they're showing that, and said that it really smooths out the 3D process so that people who were getting physically ill, yeah. uh, that was like, me, like me. I really I really could give a crap about the 3D. I, I'll just see the regular one when I see it. I don't even care if they mix up the entire story. I don't care if they kill the dragon in the first... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> spoiler alert. <laughs> can, it, can it be a spoiler if the books came out like 100 years ago? Probably not. I think you're good. Okay. All right. Wait, guys, Hello? Um, Gandalf dies. Yeah, good, Gandalf cool. dies in The Lord of the Rings, and then he comes back. I didn't... Unbelievable. Spoiler alert. Unbelievable. Benedict Cumberbatch. No, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be played by Benedict Cumberbatch in the remakes that they're doing right after The Hobbit so that New Zealand can get more tourism. He didn't <laughs> die. The other characters, too. They said he did a second character in Hobbit. Ian McCallum? Was his voice one of the, um, the stupid... He's the necromancer. Oh, he's the necromancer. I thought he was one of the goblins or something. Interesting. And by the way, Gandalf did not die. He left, spent several years at Hogwarts, and then came back. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for clearing that up. Thanks, Thank you thanks so for much. clearing that You're up. Welcome. I, I, what would I have done without you here today? I think your pick for the movie was. Uh, I had to go with the Amazing Spider-Man, and the reason I had to go with this is because Sam Raimi for three movies screwed around with a character that when he had the mask on needed to have so much snark and stuff coming out of his mouth and what did he do as soon as the mask went on toby mcguire shut the fuck up <laughs> as Sorry. soon as as soon as i saw this movie and he's just as snarky with the mask off as he is or on as he is off i'm like <gasps> yay I can forgive some of the crazy stuff that they did. I can forgive the fact that like Peter Parker is now six foot two, but still, it was really, really well done. And I'm probably alone in that. That's fun. No, no, I, actually, actually, I think it's probably the least offensive Spider-Man movie they've ever made, and that's saying a lot for me because I really did not like any of the McGuire stuff at all. I I liked uh, Alfred Molina. In the second one, and that's the okay. only thing I liked about yeah. it. Yeah, good, good call there. My pick was the Avengers, and it had somewhat to do with what the dead redhead said, but more in terms of the Avengers was a make or break film for Joss Whedon. It was mm -hmm. the film that was going to either transform him into the into the spotlight or kind of push him back to just kind of genre and that's it and this movie from the minute i sat down till the minute this scene after the end of the credits ran just had me <clears throat> enthralled it it was the right mixture of everything that joss whedon ever does yep. and it played not only to the whedon uh pals and friends and lovers 
but it played to oh, people baby. outside the genre. <laughs> That's a new news <laughs> group now. Alt.something. <laughs> Weed and lovers. <laughs> That's kind of sick. Um, <laughs> Next one, chat for that. Really? Yes, exactly. Hello, weed and lover. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I honestly think that, like, like the movie Kick Ass, which was actually really good. This was a comic book movie made by somebody who's written and loves comic books. Yes. This isn't a comic book movie made by a director who's probably never read one up until he got hired. But this is somebody that's that visually can put stuff together that could work both in a film and in a comic book. Because you could take still shots of different parts of the movie and they look like they belong in a comic. I'm right. Absolutely right. But here, here's the other thing, too. If you look at people who know how to make a franchise work because they love the franchise, if you look at two different franchises, this one and the Star Trek franchise, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek franchise. I'm worried people, about that, man. A lot of people Same. are... Because, you know, he takes over the franchise and the first words out of his mouth are, well, I never really liked it. And I was never really a fan of Star Trek. Well, shit. <clears throat> I mean, so Unlike reasons why this is worse than Return of the King. At least everything at the very, very end was still kind of the same enough that you could <laughs> go on from there without fucking everything over too much. But, like, he was just like, there's a timeline. Well, screw that. Exactly. And, I mean, you know, there's there's no there's no honesty to, to taking a franchise and doing that to it. What, what Whedon did with the Avengers franchise is something that's going <laughs> to continue on for a hell of a long time. And, and it, it's going to be one hell of a thing. Of a good ride, I think. Well, I, I have to kind of go back to what was said about the comparison to Thor versus Avengers. Yeah. It's the my issue with that is Thor. Nobody had ever made a Thor movie before, so you know Brenna had to go True. based off of nothing, and then Joss went to go and look at. Wow, these are the good parts of Thor. We've got these really good actors. I'm now going to use them to the best <laughs> of my ability. But yeah, but. But my problem with that, Mike, is that this is a man who has done Shakespeare. And if any of the comics lend themselves to Shakespeare, you would think that Thor would. If Thor should be big, over-the-top, ring-of-the-knee-belong kind of stuff. And it wasn't. And I don't know what everybody those words know, mean. <laughs> I, I really hated the way he used Loki. I mean, I thought Loki was this emo, whiny, just... I, well, I wanted to kick his ass. Dear Chris I mean, Helmsworth, God. this review has to sting. Call me. We'll cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> but look at the difference but what, between but what, in the Avengers. In the Avengers, Loki. he was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. He had balls. And, yes. and didn't they leave Natalie Portman out of the Avengers? There's yes. that. Wise Thank decision, God. Joss. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. He's a man, and he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's the man <laughs> there, there's only one person I blame for any kind of sucktitude in Thor and her name is Natalie Portman <laughs> wow, see she, I just thought it was kind of funny like Natalie pretends to be a scientist isn't that cute <laughs> 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 she pretends there's something between her ears but air hey, whoever's keeping the list put her on it yeah she's never coming on <laughs> yeah we've just lost another guest forever Absolutely. I was about to ask what the list was. <laughs> people who will never come on this show. The list of people, yeah, the list of people oh, we've offended so badly that we'd be shocked if they. George R R R R Martin. 
Yeah, we pretty much hate him. Really? That's hilarious. Yeah. That guy's just a dick. I'm sorry. Stop. I can't hear that guy's name and not think of a pirate. George R. <laughs> Martin. Just put a little tick next to his name. It's yeah. been there for a while. I know, I know, I know. There's like 18 ticks next to it for each episode where we make fun of him. Mostly that was Java's fault. No, it was it was me too. I hate that guy. His books suck. I, I, I want you to hold back a little bit. Please <laughs> form it's an difficult. opinion. <clears throat> it's difficult. Do I have to? Oh, wait, but, huh? <laughs> wait, I was Natalie Portman for a minute. Sorry. <laughs> what? Science. Oh, four. <laughs> I'm going to marry wow. this cute little kid that I found on a pod racing track. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Really? <laughs> Yes. Sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't blame Portman for that. I blame Lucas. <laughs> yeah. You gotta blame her yeah. a little. No. That one's totally not her fault. <laughs> She's got enough of her own to, to be sorry for, but that ain't it. God, that was horrifying. Come on, let me Natalie Portman bash a little bit. <laughs> no, Spoil no, we'll give you scores. something to bash here. <laughs> Dylan, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, we'll give you something to bash here. Uh, Unless it's Natalie Portman banging and she's, you know. Now, now, now. <laughs> oh. You know, oh. I'll take that. Oh, boy. After five seasons, French comes to an end January 18th. Ooh. In a two-hour episode on Friday, January 18th, that is also the show's 100th episode. Unless the world ends tomorrow. Will Peter and, and Olivia finally do it up. and remember? Let's mention that. We forgot to mention this is our le- this is our end of the world episode. Oh shit! Yeah, could have been. Could have been. <laughs> oh yeah. Damn you, Mayans. Okay, hold on. I would like to point out that you're basing an entire like end of the world theory on people who didn't see the Spaniards coming. <laughs> So, you know, okay, Burbank just went up my nose. That's not cool, man. <laughs> You're we welcome. We just watched Apocalypto, and that's so <laughs> weird that you say that because there's that whole scene. Did you anybody else see Apocalypto? Yes. yes. No. That yep. whole scene at the end when it's like, "What are those things?" and it's like, yeah. "Oh, you're screwed. <laughs> you're so screwed." Yeah. So uh, I, I am, I am supposed to chastise whoever is not. Uh, and I'm I'm going to quote this because it deserves a quote. This is from Andrew. Are those mooks knuckles reading the chat window? No. Shit. Sorry. So. Usually. Um, sorry, my darling. You know what? It's okay. He's got his box of puffs. He's got okay. his copy I, of the Notebook. I'm gonna send him some some chocolate truffles to eat while he cries and watches the Notebook. <laughs> So yes, there we are. Any so, <laughs> Fox is promoting the hell out of a series that they haven't bothered to really support for five years. Uh, what? <laughs> and now I know this is odd because Fox has always been such a good promoter promoter of of genre programming. They they've been such a great choice in in television. They've made yeah. no errors. No, no, no. <laughs> So, January 18th, two-hour final episode, and to recap what's been going on this season, holy shit. Just, just Have Peter and shit. Olivia done it yet, and they, they remember it? 
Not only have they done it, not only have they remembered it, it, they have a kid and the daughter's dead. Awesome. (laughs) Sounds good to me. Goodness. (laughs) No, that. Do they know that she's dead? Yes. Okay. What you dome? I gotta say that I thought of you when we were watching that episode from was it last week? I guess it was last week's. And I went to the chat on Fringe just to see if anybody had tried to find out if it was actually Terry Gilliam who did that stuff. And it was, wasn't it? I don't know. They said that there's nothing in the episode to say one way or the other, and there's nothing on IMDb or anything to say it. That looks so much like Terry Gilliam's artwork. If it was, was, that was the perfect copy. (laughs) There was right in the middle of the episode for no apparent reason other than the fact that Walter was tripping his brains out. Uh, <laughs> How is that different from normal? Uh, it actually isn't for Walter, but uh, the show turns into a <laughs> Terry Gilliam animation from the opening of Monty Python's Flying Circus, mm-hmm. which is just uh, this marvelous piece of whimsy in the middle of this incredibly intense episode that was just wonderful to watch. And uh, that, after the... Uh, the sighting of the Emerald City while he's on acid. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, there was a, lo- a lot of analogy going on and a lot of homage to a lot of other things going on as well. Uh, this has been the best season ever. Uh, it's, it's done a lot of things. It, it took the show out of its element, brought it into the future, and I'm hoping it the end justifies yes. the right that they've taken us on, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's kind of like that last season of Angel, where once again Joss Whedon they already told him, well, it's being canceled, and he was just like, oh, fuck it, and it's just like I'm going to put whatever I want in here. Well, I I have to say I sat in the uh, the fringe panel at San Diego Comic Con, and that's pretty much what their their attitude was was they're like, we're just going to knock your socks off because Excellent. they knew this is all they had left to do. And what was really interesting was watching everybody get emotional and teary, and then just like, yay. They, they love the show as much as the fans love the show. Yeah, they've, they've really got uh, an emotional attachment to their work, which is really nice to see. It doesn't happen as much as fans like to think it does. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's, I'll miss it. Yeah. I will miss the show. I'm going to miss it, too. I think a lot of us are going to miss it. I know Kriana's not going to, and that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> She um is indisposed at the moment. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> she came out to get more alcohol. Yeah, I figured uh, it's fun. Which brings us to that point in the show where we go, Dead Redhead. Bourbon acquired. <laughs> Tell us about this week's poll. This week's poll wait, wait, wait. Poll? really, really fun, actually. Yes, we're at the poll already. Um and what we did, we were trying to do come up with something fun for the end of the year and all that. So what we came up with was, who is your favorite incredible shrinking character? And people really liked this one. We had all kinds of, of add-ins. That Magic school bus. <laughs> I didn't even think about that Why got added. Why would you have? Natalie well, Portman's that, career. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. But, Good one. Now, we had 16 different entries into the poll. Say what? Yeah, 16. And 14 of them got votes. 
So that was pretty amazing. But what we had were the top three. So we had two ties again. We had a tie for third place between the incredible shrinking man and Ant-Man, the the Marvel comic book character. Of course, the Marvel comic book character. Did we ever get away without one of those? Oh, I know. Um, we have at second place. I was a little surprised at this one, which tells you that a bunch of parents must have been on there voting this week, I guess. But at number two came in as Rick Moranis from Honey, I Shrank the Kids. Although oh, the question is, shouldn't it be actually the kids and not Rick Moranis? He I gets drunk remember. at the end. He does? Okay. Okay. So I guess I mean, he's still- we're, we're 80s slash early 90s kids. We know this stuff. Totally. Yeah. And he gets shrunk and honey, I blew up the kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There we go. So he came in at number two, and we had a tie for first place being between Ray Palmer, the Adam. Oh, yes. And Wait. the cast of the original Fantastic Voyage movie Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch, shrunk. I've never <laughs> seen her before. The size of a molecule. <laughs> I remember watching that show when I was a kid. They had it on like the ABC Friday Night Movie or something, and I was very worried for that cast. I have to tell you, <laughs> I was anxious for that. I was like, "But what if they get big in that guy's body and he'll blow up?" And it, yeah, that was okay. me when I was about five. <laughs> Good lord! So those were our winners this week, folks. So that's the last poll of 2012. And if you've never been polled again in 2012, congratulations. <laughs> um, so then we will come up with something new. Or should we have one for next week, or do we want to just start fresh in January, ladies? Oh, I don't know. Put one up. Let's run it, let it run for two weeks. Okay. What do you say? Yeah, but make it something up. interesting like your, your favorite There's one about the Twilight Zone I've been thinking about putting up, so we'll see. What's your favorite Tolkien movie, book, story? <laughs> They're all my favorite. I was gonna Even say, the animated book. series? <laughs> oh, that was the worst. Oh, that Hey, I will say the animated Hobbit is what got me into Tolkien, though. Here go. Terrifying, but yeah, awesome. it sure as hell is. <laughs> it sure as hell is. Well, it wasn't good, but it was a thing. But I mean, it's kind of a crime that these movies didn't get made until they did get made. But on the other hand, it's kind of a good thing. Because, could you imagine how, if they were made in, like, the 80s? Good Lord. How horrible that would have been? Like, ew. Yeah. Yeah. At least now they're nice. Yeah, yeah they're much better now. Thank God for small favors. These yeah. days... Okay, and moving on. Okay. <laughs> moving on, because I got no place else to go with this line of drivel. Do you? Anyway, really? No, not at all. We could go somewhere. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure it could, but it's not going to. We're used to seeing television. We're used to seeing films. The past ten years have seen a rise in the web series. Web series were at one time television shows or somebody who not had an idea. And, and a really bad video camera. And in the past couple of... Oh, trust me. Look at some of the old ones. They're scary as hell. Oh, I, I, hey, hey, I videotaped some of those old ones. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the rise of the incredibly well put together, incredibly well produced, incredibly well thought out web series has arrived. And each year we get kind of inundated with series that just kind of boggle the imagination with what they've done. We're going to talk about the web series Mythos with the executive producer, writer, director, and star, Miriam Poltro. Miriam, again, welcome. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Well, you got to be the first one. No. (laughs) (laughs) Am I going to, by the end of this, my goal for the evening is to make it on to capitalize the list. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know if that's a good goal to have. No, no. I've just been coming across things recently that I feel are entertaining goals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like for, for example this is totally off topic and yet in my mind totally on topic there's a, a magazine i came across recently called the gentlewoman with and angela lansbury was on the cover oh my and and i had to get it it's one of those like bi-yearly it's very you know very rare very stately like they had adele on one cover they had angela lansbury i need to make it into the magazine someday that's <laughs> one wow. of my new life goals Okay, there's no reason for you to have that goal. I just think you should know that. <laughs> I, I just want to say before we get started, as like how proud I am to have Miriam actually have her own web series to go through this process. Like, not only that A, it got done, but B, how many different hats that had to be worn. Like, I know the one side of it. I could not imagine directing myself in a project at all. So that's just hats off to you. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm not going to lie, it was, a, it was a lot of work. <laughs> so, before we get into, you know, what the story, what you did, and and where did it come from? Where did this story, story where did this story start out in your head? I well done. A- not you. <laughs> I was going to say, no, what no, a no, boy no, web that's, series. That's me. that's me. I got a little cold. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Um, I had the idea sometime in, uh, a couple of years ago, and it was something I didn't think I would ever produce, or at least not for many, many years. I thought it would need you know, a lot of money, and I had never produced anything at the time. It was just an, an idea that I really liked, and it kind of stemmed from two places. One, I'm a huge nerd. I'm very into mythology. I've studied it quite a bit. Every story you can name, every film, book draws from mythology in some way. You can find connections to it, so bringing all that together was a, a passion of mine. But also, I didn't see uh, too many young female roles written uh, as mothers. They're either young women uh, looking for love, or they're a single mom looking for love, or they're like out of that category entirely. They're like, they have their kids grown, and once again, usually looking for love, or like the matriarch of a family. Um, But I I wanted to write a character kind of set in a, a reality that exists. I have a younger sister who's married and has kids and she's very happy and she's she's in her mid-20s. I mean, there are a lot of young mothers who, a woman's life goal should not be looking for love. It shouldn't be every character that she plays and I, I was passionate about that too. So I uh, kind of just brought all that together and tossed it around a bit. <laughs> it was a much more precise process than I'm making it sound. And then at the same time, you have a number of other acting projects all going on. Oh, yeah. And all, and all of a sudden, the time comes, uh, makes itself available for you to 
take a stab at a production of this? What goes through your mind as you realize, if I'm going to be the executive producer, if I'm going to be the director, and, and if I'm going to act in it, I've got to do the casting. I've got to figure all this stuff out. I've got to get technical people in here. I mean, it's kind of a, a, a crippling mountain of things that you have to be in charge of during this process. Quite an accurate description. <laughs> <laughs> a crippling mountain of things. Um, I totally bit off more than I could chew, but I was very excited about it, and I was determined to get it done. And uh, as things arose, I either found a way to get them done myself or, you know, pass them off to somebody else. But there was, if I had known at the beginning how much work it would actually entail for me, I'm not confident that I would have taken that step, but I'm really glad that I did because I feel like I learned a whole lot um, about my, uh, what I'm capable of and, you know, who I can really rely on and I, what I'm willing to ask of people. And, and, you know, like I was saying earlier, uh, I said to you guys before we started actually recording, um, there were people who offered to help that never came through. And it's not like we can't be friends now, but it's just like I've learned to not, you can't rely on every offer of help. It's like the people who really step up and show up all the time, who are always there in it with you. And I found a few people like that, and they were phenomenal. I'm so grateful I had them. So you start to assemble the the script, which is kind of a bunch of ideas that you've had or a linear idea that's not fully fleshed out. Mm -hmm. You start to bring this group of people together. You start to bring the technical aspects of it together. Tell us the story. Tell us what the story mythos is about. The premise is that uh, the, all of the characters or most of the characters are mythological gods. They are uh, characters that you would recognize from mythology, whether a specific god or a, a, an archetype or like a theme, a personality type uh, that you would recognize from mythologies all over the world. Um, the idea being that those those people, those beings actually existed and they still exist, uh, kind of like the Norse god idea, which is not that they're immortal, it's just that they're extremely long-lived and a little bit more powerful than the average human being. Um, but uh, they're, they're kind of, you know, chilling anonymously in the modern day, I mean, with the Industrial Revolution and all that kind of stuff. Uh, people, you know, turning to science instead of religion. And yet there are all these stories from, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago that crop up all over the world in otherwise unrelated cultures, the same characters. And you wonder, how, how do these unrelated cultures with no connection to each other 10,000 years in the past have these mythological similarities how do they both have a trickster how do they both have a virgin go goddess who's a warrior you know um mm -hmm. and i loved i loved that concept uh, so i uh, i wrote it about athena uh who is a character that appears in a lot of mythologies she's the virgin goddess she's notoriously celibate she's very very strong she's much more masculine than many of the other goddesses that appear and uh, i kind of twisted her into she's now married with kids she's like learning how to she's finding you know this tenderness in her that she never really had before um but with the the epic cosmic themes of you know i don't know i i, I shouldn't get into all of it um shit happens <laughs> no, it's okay. and uh <laughs> no, you're doing fine <laughs> um and like this is where the motherhood thing really 
struck me as being uh, important, uh, not only to a story, but to a, a female character. There's something that's so, um, in uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, magical and, and earthy about motherhood. Um, that I, I was, it's, it's, it's described in, in all cultures in some way as being this almost supernatural experience um, to give birth to something, to, to give birth to another human being, another, you know, that you then have to, that is to, totally dependent on you. So in finding this tenderness, she's forced to protect her family. And uh, I don't know, goes from there. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Please don't ask me ever to describe stories because I'll give well, you the entire script. <laughs> well, you, you know, you know the, the thing that comes through as you're talking about it is your passion for the story. And that's the thing that as you watch it, uh, and I've gotten through about half the episode so far. Uh, there's a passion in this story, in this story, and, and in the telling of it. Mm. And it really does come through to the viewer. Good, I'm glad. It's, it's nice to hear those things. <laughs> there, I mean, there are, there are things that are out of your control. Obviously, they don't have the budget of a, you know, an epic summer blockbuster, but... but there, you don't there have is a lot of budgets. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of you know work and, and effort and time that goes into it and sweat, you know, tears. Let's talk, literally. Let's talk about the budget for a second. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's sure? talk about that budget. How did how did that come about? How how did you get the money to make this happen? We were very, very lucky, blessed to be able to raise thousand dollars on Indiegogo um, and that was just about enough to feed the cast and crew for the entirety of the production we, sh we shot about <laughs> 10 weeks on um, most on weekends um, and it, um, statistics show that most of most of uh, like crowdfunding things come from <clears throat> the money the money often comes from friends and family and most of our contributors were friends and family but there were some strangers who donated that it was immensely appreciated because we I couldn't ask that many people to work for free on a set with no budget and no crew if I couldn't at least, you know, give them lunch. But there was no way that I could personally afford that. So if we if we hadn't made that goal or at least come close, I'm not sure we would have been able to produce it at all. Um, but that was that was our entire budget was was our food budget. We <laughs> we never spent a cent on locations. <laughs> we were just <laughs> pulling strings everywhere we possibly could, trying to be creative. How do you? And this is difficult because you're now the executive producer, the writer, the director. How do you get something that is essentially a volunteer project at this point mm -hmm. to look as, as deep and as rich as this ends up looking? Uh, it's primarily two things. My, my director of photography, Richard Klein, uh, is... Incredible. He's just, he's such an exciting guy to talk to. He's so into film. He knows exactly what he's doing with his camera, but he's been shooting independently and on his own for years and years. So he knows exactly what it takes to get something done with nothing, to do something with nothing. Um, and he's just got a, a, an eye for things that I, I don't. I'm, I'm much more used to being in front of the camera. You can show me two pictures and I can choose the one that I think looks better. Um, but don't give me a camera and tell me to set up the shot because I have no idea what I'm doing. And he's just phenomenally talented and so enthusiastic and want to make movies. He just has this like inner passion that, that I can feel myself. 
um, and we've really connected. So mostly Richard Klein, but also uh, my cast. My cast was freaking phenomenal. Every there, there wasn't a weak link in the cast. Um, everybody embodied their roles so well. Everybody worked together so well. Um, it, it certainly wouldn't have looked as good if you hadn't been able to take each character as seriously as you can um, because they're all just so talented. It's it's funny too because uh, you because the characters are complexly developed. It's not a black and white issue. Oh, I like this character. I don't like this character. You actually develop mm -hmm. feelings for the characters, and those feelings evolve and change over the course of episodes. That's really exciting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know, I like hearing that a lot. I feel like I, and I think film is moving more in this direction. There used to be, you know, standard heroes and villains, but I, I think in in real life, people are complex and they have good sides and bad sides and they might try to be a good person and that comes through in who they are. It doesn't mean they're never going to make a mistake. So I really like hearing about the, the characters because in, even in such a short piece, it's nine episodes and they run between five and 10 minutes each um, for that to come through. That's not just I, I, a compliment, I think to, to me, but also oh. to the, again, to the actors who are just, they're in it for the, the long haul. None of them want to be, Oh, I, I just want to be a star. I want to be pretty. They're all about, like getting into the script and the character and finding those complexities. Yeah, it was uh, Martin Bannock. I thought it was a uh, place of really interesting. Uh, Mark Bannock. Mark Bannock. I'm sorry. Nice. Yeah. Place. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we got. We got it. <laughs> plays a really, really interesting role, and uh, he embodies it very well. From the, from the minute you see him pop up in episode one, you mm -hmm. know that there's a real complexity to what it is he's bringing into it. It's fun. That's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. Can you talk about uh, Brad Althouse and, and the music? And oh yeah, Brad. Oh God, how could I forget? Brad and I have never met in person. Wow. Uh, um, Brad lives in Chicago, and I live in New York. Um, and he was recommended to me by my old piano teacher <laughs> uh, from when I was a teenager, so over ten oh, years wow. ago. Oh wow. Uh, she recommended him to me when I put out a you know like a. Can we use, we, we could really use some original music uh, on Facebook for a web series that I participated in last year. I acted in it, but I was not a director, writer, or anything. I just knew that I had a lot of musical friends, and I figured, you know, somebody might want to hop in. So she recommended Brad for that gig, and they ended up going a different direction and used stock music. And, but Brad and I, again, like we had never, we emailed a couple times maybe, and that was it. Uh, we were not even friends on Facebook. He somehow found the Mythos page that I had set up way back in June before we had shot a single frame of footage before we'd even started our Indiegogo trailer. Um, and he got in touch with me and said, I would really like to be involved in this. This sounds like a great idea. And I was like, really? It's going to be work. Like we're, we're cranking out. We're hoping to do an episode a week and we're, we're going to be overlapping our filming with our, our premiere online. And he's, he got me music sometimes at 4am the day that it was due, but he always got it done. He's phenomenally talented, so dedicated and I feel like his mu his music, other people have said this too, his music specifically created a tone for the entire series. There are themes that crop up in various episodes and, you know, when certain characters arrive and it just, it's, ah, so exciting. The music was, it just made it. It made, it could have been, it could have been shit without good music. And because we had Brad, it was awesome. <laughs> so well, I have a, go ahead, I have Mike. a question. No, I'm okay. I, uh, I've asked a lot of actors who have taken the, the shift from 
acting to working on the other side of the camera. Has mm -hmm. your perspective on production changed now that you've actually done both? Um, I, uh, yes and no. Uh, I'm the type of person who asks a lot of questions because I'm just interested in the process of filmmaking. Um, and I, as, as somebody who I feel like, feel like actors, it's very easy for us to be coddled because people like pamper you. They do your hair, makeup, and they bring you water. And depending on the type of set that you're on, and I've kind of been on like both ends. I've been on the, you know, no budget sets. And I've also been on bigger sets where they take care of you, so to speak. But I'm the type of person who likes to pitch in and help wherever I can. Um, and I have so much respect for production because of all the literal hard, heavy labor they sometimes have to do. And they always have to be on their game and they show up hours before the actors even get to set. Um, but having to do it all myself has just renewed that respect for anybody who works in production because I feel like it's, it's, it's the food chain. You work Absolutely. the hardest in a lot of cases and you get the least credit for what you do. The actors and the directors become the face of the project. Um, but it's just, it's just renewed my respect for anybody who works on the other side of the camera. And, and my last question is, when are we going to see the Mythos DVD? That was my next <laughs> question. Um, I haven't set a date. We will be releasing it uh, kind of as like a short feature or something, you know, like all strung together on a DVD sometime in 2013. But uh, as I as I keep telling my cast and crew who are like, season two, season two, I'm like, no, 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 I'm sleeping till New Year's. <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me a couple to recover and then we'll talk DVD release date yeah, but I, definitely I will, sometime in 2013 I will tell you that your the recouping the rest is going to be the best thing for you oh but, yeah <laughs> going to see but, my other nieces next week that's it we're just going to snuggle and watch Disney movies <laughs> I, I can I can honestly this is feedback that we got from Felicia Day is that the DVD of what you're doing mm -hmm. will help sell and promote season two so much more because oh, it, becomes, it becomes tangible. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 awesome. a, it's a different version of the same thing, but it, it's a the tangibility of it makes a difference somehow. And I'm not sure why, but clearly well, it, 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 it has to do with like, if I'm watching it online, I'm watching it in the same medium that everybody is. But if I take a DVD and I go in my living room and I put it in my DVD player, it becomes personal. So it it's, becomes it's, more like a movie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yay. Unless so, you can watch online videos on your TV, in which case it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Drink your bourbon. <laughs> yes, so sir. So talk a little bit about the Indie Soap Awards, uh, which you, you and... Uh, Adam Henry Garcia are both nominated in. Yeah. Best Supporting Actor and Best Actress. Congratulations. Thank you. Holy crap. This is, this is the closest to the Oscars I may ever get. That's um, not true. No, 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 no. no, no. It's, uh, yeah, I'm not trying, I'm trying to sell myself shorter, like, you know, not set my goals high. It's more just like it's an honor to be recognized by anyone on any level. It's an honor to get a compliment, but to be nominated for any kind of of award is like what <laughs> i am so excited i just want to dress up and look awesome <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the, the indie soap awards uh this we're going into their fourth year they were set up to honor web series uh strictly and it was started by a blog called we love soaps uh which focuses more on soap operas but there are a lot been a lot of soap opera 
actors and actresses who have transitioned into web series. And there are a lot of web series that take a soap opera format because it's like the ideal format. It makes things, you know, the stakes are a little bit higher. It's a little more dramatic. So it ropes you in quicker, especially when you're watching something with no famous names or anything like that. But uh, yeah, we were lucky to be nominated for two awards for Mythos. Um, me for best actress in a drama and Adam Henry Garcia, who plays my husband in the web series. Uh, he was nominated for best sporting actor as well. So we're really excited. <laughs> and when is the, uh, Oh, February. Yeah. February is when, uh, the awards come out. Yeah. February 19th. We will be rooting for you, my dear. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> The series is called Mythos, and I could sit here and try and explain it to you. It's much cooler to sit down and watch it. <laughs> and watch it. Because <laughs> it's the way it should be done. Miriam is the producer, the director, and Indie Soap Award nominee. Thank you for joining us. Dom Perian, where are we going for the next I gotta be honest with you, I'm hearing a lot of loud music. I can't hear your voice. Hello? Hello? Anyone? Hello? John Here. I couldn't hear over the music. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Okay, come up, calendar, love. Oh, okay, I can do that. So next Yay. week. Happy holidays! We're not having a show. It's our present to ourselves as a week off. Happy holidays! <laughs> but the week after that, on January 5th, we're going to have Mike Lane for the Liftport Space Elevator Project. And after that, on January 12th, we'll have Christy Peterson Spoonover, author of Bad Apple and Skeletons in the Swimming Hole, back again to be her wonderful, adorably creepy self. Don't. No, dead redhead. Redhead? Or not? I'm sorry, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, and of ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at robwattsonline.com. Dome? I want to thank the usual suspects for tonight's show from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and Grammar Girls on Barian. Thank you, ladies. Happy traditional Gallifreyan holidays. There we go. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you, Dead Redhead. Of course, guys. Happy Festivus, everybody. <laughs> From that seat somewhere, Mike, thank you. We will talk to you again soon. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Have a wonderful holiday, everybody. We'll catch you in the new year. Good night, everyone. I know.